Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, a packed pod coming up for you this week. While Heather Watson and Alex Scott have been lighting up the international stage, Ireland basketball star Martin Yabsley has been doing the same in Spain, winning silver with Great Britain in the over 40 European Championships. We'll hear from him and what he says is the finest achievement of his long career on the court. You know, just to answer your question again, in terms of where this ranks, it's it's the pinnacle you know I've won championships in Spain in England and you know honestly I've won loads of MVPs in Guernsey and we've beaten Jersey many times and that's all good that's all good but getting to where I got to at this at this point like you say at this point of my age this point of me being out of the game for 14 years to get back into it and to be so successful and be a dominant force I'm super 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 happy We'll also talk cricket after Griffins retained the weekend league title reaction from their captain Tom Kirk to come. Plus we'll look ahead to the highlight of the CI rowing season. Guernsey captain Ben Vodin joins to preview Saturday's Sark to Jersey. This weekend also a big one for the organisers of next year's Island Games. In fact Friday is the year to go Mark and delegates from across the world have come to Guernsey for the IIGA's AGM. More on that to come and plenty more besides. I'm Tony Kerr. Alongside me is Jamie Ingrill. Hi Tony. And Rob Batiste. Hello Tony. Back for one week only Rob. Only one week only. That's what I keep saying. Um, keeping yourself busy with all the, the Rangers stuff at the moment? Moderately I suppose <laughs> yeah. Keeping an eye on things. There's a lot going on pre-season I think for every club there's an awful lot of stuff currently looking through all the fixtures planned fixtures for the season and and trying to see what needs to be improved in terms of um, schedules for your, our own particular club but I'm sure every club's the same and Matt Liu who's the GFLM secretary was going to have a very busy busy time in the coming days no doubt trying to uh, um, give every club what they want in terms yeah. of um, scheduling so yeah it's it's coming on. Yeah. Pre-season training starting, and um, a lot of P players on their knees. <laughs> <laughs> and whilst um, the season was very long, it doesn't take too long before you start missing missing it and wishing it was back. So. Yeah, not long to go. And you were down at the golf early this week, Rob, uh, and you bumped into an island football star who perhaps you didn't expect to see down there. Yeah. Um, on the practice putting green was one James Hammond looking taller than ever. I did say to him, how tall are you, James? And he said, six foot four. And I thought, well, he just seems to have grown from the last time I saw him. So that's why I've shrunk. And it's quite possibly the latter, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> but um, no, he's, um, he's back here for the time being. Um, he's been a little bit um, coy on his future. But the word going around is that he may well be back in Guernsey to stay. And if that's the case, somebody is going to have a one terrific goalkeeper on their hands because he is very, very good. Obviously played league football with Exeter City. He was doing very, very well for a time. Um, has been playing recently with Truro, where he apparently is still under contract for one more year. But whether he um, fulfills that contract, we'll see. But um, it was interesting to see um, the fact that he was playing golf because we tend to forget he's also a really, really good golfer. You know, a plus, probably something like a plus two golfer handicap, and um, would walk into our island team. And so I did jokingly say to him, Are you back for the island interchilla match? And he said he would love to play, but at the moment, of course, he's a he can't because he's a professional, having decided on a whim almost last year, I believe, to play in a tournament and and target some prize money, turn professional. I don't think it worked out too well in terms of the prize money. And now he's lumbered with his tag, which means, of course, he can't play. 
he can't play any domestic competitions at this stage. Um, so he's currently looking about what he needs to do to um, unravel himself from that professional status and um, so he can play. But if he does do that, um, and he's hopeful, I believe, um, Guernsey would have a really, really good golfer on their hands again to bolster their chances. Yeah, potentially a huge boost to, to local football and golf then if he sticks around for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Good to see him. Yeah, really nice to see him back and uh, hopefully he's enjoying the sunshine. Um, it has been a really busy week. We'll talk about the cricket in a minute. Um, Jamie, you've been following the mountain bike tour of Guernsey, which uh, started out this week in fairly dramatic fashion down at Tortable. Yes, I have. Um, so for the first time in recorded history, uh, riders had the opportunity to compete on their cliff paths on the south coast. Uh, so obviously this was with permission from all the relevant parties and it seems to have generally gone down fairly well with the riders. So we had a bit of misfortune for young Megan Downton who came off her bike and had to be picked up by an ambulance but yeah she's not too badly hurt aside from ankle ligament damage um it was feared to be worse at the time but yeah i wish her a speedy recovery um competitively it's just been a nice mix um we had the opening cliff stage which made for some quite unpredictable results but there's been almost a different winner each day so far or each stage because we had two stages in one day on tuesday which was another new introduction uh it will be resuming tonight at the german underground hospital where you actually get to cycle inside the hospital so yeah um just nice mix of stages and some compelling competition so far yeah they'll be back in the rone's quarry as well won't they for the uh dup hill is that what it's called um sort of down to the bottom and, and back up again i mean it's a really cracking event that shows uh, yeah it kind of makes the most doesn't it of, of sort of all the, the possible sort of terrains that, that guernsey's got to offer it's been a really um quite a cool week really in terms of sports making the most of, of what we have we saw water polo back in the bathing pools on saturday i popped down and had a look at that and um yeah it was really cool it looked like everyone was having a cracking time the sun was out um the the backdrop was pretty spectacular uh, the competition looked good i'm sure that'd be the, the first of many down there so um yeah really good to see uh sport capitalizing on all of the uh, the sort of natural and built resources around the island um long may that continue uh, rob i know you popped down to the cricket on sunday for the conclusion of the the weekend league and um uh, another title for griffins very much the team to beat at the moment of course um the secret one of the secrets of their successes is the fact that they managed to turn out such a consistent team week in week out uh, they've got a small squad of players but they are highly committed and they always seem to produce the goods um, you know they've got a decent bowling attack very solid batting and um, you know it was, when they play uh, most teams it seems that they the opposition are always without a key player or two and on this occasion Old Elizabethan Association who rely heavily on Matt Stokes who's the best player in the island by some degree um, was missing and so was his opening batting partner Charlie Birch who's been in decent form as well those two plus another key absence um, oh, the, the Ben Johnson the quick bowler made it slightly easier for Griffins but they are. They were on the ball again, as they invariably are. And Luke Letitia played another big knock, ninety odd, not just falling just short, short of his hundred. Um, it's a shame that they can't play um, some Jersey teams to test, really test themselves, because they're too good for the Guernsey sides, quite clearly. The domestic cricket season, um, certainly as far as the weekend league and, and even League One, um, really coming to a head this week. Griffins 
um, facing Indies, the sort of battle of the top two sides on Tuesday. So, I mean, if you're looking for a, a good competitive game of cricket to go and watch, that'll probably be um, the one. Indies play Kobo tonight. So if they come through that, it really will set up a, a mouthwatering clash on Tuesday night. But as we say, Griffin's already sealing the weekend league title. I went down to catch up with their captain, Tom Kirk. Yeah, yeah, really happy. Um, couldn't do any more than we did, you know, but um, yeah, no, the boys were, were buzzing on Sunday when we when we did the job. Um, everyone was looking forward to the season. We got a consistent team out and yeah, I think we did the sponsor proud, did everyone proud and uh, yeah, yeah, did a really good job. Just talk us through those weekends games, uh, oh, not sort of blow by blow, but just in terms of the story of the season, um, yeah, you guys have very much been the team to beat and, and finished it off strongly as well. Yeah, no, I think, I think we... We stuck to our plans. I think we we stayed in games. We I struggled to apart from the Kobo game when the when the rain came down. I think we were we were never really behind in any of the games. We we did a really good job um, with the ball. We're pretty consistent. Probably didn't have our best season with the ball, but with with the bat we were better this year. Um, a lot to rely on Lua. You know he's he's been unbelievable for us this year. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know how many runs he's got, but it seems every game he's. He's, put, he's got us off to a good start. So, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine that for that Guernsey team, he'd be one of the first names on the sheet at the moment because, yeah, you can't stop scoring runs. Yeah, good to hear. And um, for you as captain, is it that sort of consistency of lineup, consistency of squad that's the, the kind of key thing to, I suppose, being able to go into those situations sort of confident that you're going to get a result? Yeah, that's it. I think, I think for the last two, three years, we've had a consistent squad. So we've all kind of... We've seen it, we've done it, we did it last season and we've gone one better unbeaten this year. But yeah, we everyone kind of pulls together. If, if you get a bit of adversity in there, everyone everyone's seen it. As that's the consistent squad. If you have six, seven different people each, each, each week, then yeah, no, I think it's a bit more difficult. But yeah, no, I think that's it. The consistency for us is, and everyone plays their part. It's, I said Lua before, but it's everyone has put their hand up at some point this season, which is, which is great. And what do you make of the competition this year? Obviously, it's, I think, well, it's the second year, isn't it, of this kind of format with OEA um, being part of the weekend um, championship. Is it a sort of setup and a, and a sort of balance of squads that's working for, for you? You know, not for you guys, obviously, it's working very well. Um, yeah, but yeah. but for you as a you know as a sort of cricket enthusiast in the island, is it the right setup? Yeah, I think I, th I think it's probably the the only way we can go at the moment because you need you need more than three teams. So to get the OEAs in there and and Ferbs and Stokes to go and play for them has been a, been really good for the standard. Um, otherwise, that college team might be a little bit weak for the for the first division. But no, I, I think four teams is kind of a minimum. I think so. I think it's really it, it's the best way. Whether whether it needs refining, I'm not sure how you do it. To be honest, it's just yeah. As long as people have got appetite to play, um, yeah, we we're quite happy and it's working well for us for the last two years. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know how you can make any better at this point. To be honest. You mentioned the Guernsey uh, squad there. I mean, obviously, we've got 50 over into Insula, so the back end of the season. Given Griffin's success, you know, over that um, format th this season and last, I mean, are there a few players in, in your side that you think should be uh, featuring heavily in that Guernsey side? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not for me to pick the squad, but yeah, no, I think I think if you weren't looking seriously at quite a few of our lads, then uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be questioning it a little bit because, yeah, we've... We've probably been, well. We've won it for the last two years. We've been the standout side. So yeah, certainly a number of our lads deserve to be at least considered for very, very heavily. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think we'll probably have a few lads in there. Um, hope as many as we can get, really, as as far as we're concerned.
Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Um, that was Tom Kirk talking to me down at the KG5. As I say, a, a big week uh, for Griffins and Indies in the Evening League Division 1. Let's turn our attention to some of our sort of individual stars. I quickly want to mention Heather Watson and Alex Scott. Obviously, we've spoken about them so much. Um, and most people, I think, would have expected Alex and England to go into that final um, on Friday night against Israel and win. They did it. I mean, Israel looks pretty good, to be fair. They, they put up a real fight. They took the lead, um, and it was a fairly scrappy opening, but England came really strong um, at the end, eventually winning it 3-1 in extra time. Rob, to see a, a young Guernseyman winning a, a European Under-19 championship, I mean, uh, just put that into perspective for us. Well, it's remarkable, and when you think you, it's not... Which seems like yesterday that he was playing at St Martins, um, you know, in the Premier League, playing a few games there and in the youth football as well. Um, then into GFC, and um, you know, his rise has been remarkable. And um, he's a top player. You hear all these stories about professional clubs like Spurs sniffing around him for a very, very tidy fee. Um, I'd like to think he might stick at Bristol City for at least another season from what I gather he really is very very keen to do so um, he's obviously made a he's a bit of a made a name for himself there he's a bit of a hero already with the Bristol City fans and um, he's a lovely lovely player very smooth footballer and um, got a lot about him um, let's hope he you know, has a long and long successful career. It's certainly shaping up well at the moment. Yeah, he's been given the number seven shirt at Bristol City for next season. So um, I think the fans will be uh, absolutely desperate to see him playing there because uh, basically Bristol City Twitter is Alex Scott. <laughs> they, uh, they're putting a lot on him. That's good to see him got a proper number. I mean, honestly, one of the, it does bug me, you know, modern day football that people... Footballers turn out with numbers from 68 to 23 and all this sort of stuff. 1 to 11. <laughs> Just give them about. You're, today you are wearing number 7 shirt, mate. Well, tomorrow you're wearing number 9. So what? You know, I, yeah. Well, I'm sure he'd be very pleased with the, the number seven. I know you spoke to his dad, Noel, off the back of that. Oh, he, yeah, he played yeah. 72 minutes in that final. He got a booking, which I think Noel thought had maybe sort of, um, you know, played a bit of a role in, in him coming off. Always like to be the case. You know, I think coaches have always got one eye on that. And, um, you know, and, yeah, so um, 72 minutes in a final, European final. Still, you know, a a good, a good, good number of minutes, and um, a, you know, showed he he was key to the team selection. And for Alex Scott in England as well, um, you know, an exciting year ahead because uh, their performance there means they qualify for the Under Twenty World Cup uh, in Indonesia uh, in March. I'll be putting my bid in for a trip down there. Uh, don't expect it to get very far, but there we go. Uh, obviously, England um, Under Twenty World Champions a few years ago, so um, that will be. Uh, Oh, well, it'll be a, a huge occasion. I mean, to if he can, um, yeah, secure selection for that squad, um, that would be something else. Uh, quick word about Heather Watson as well before we hear from Martin Yabsey because um, yeah, we've been following her all week. In the end, uh, her German opponent in the fourth round of Wimbledon proved a little bit too much, um, a bit too strong on the day. But uh, yeah, Heather Watson pretty proud of her performance over over the week uh, over in Wimbledon. I mean, she played well. She was on court, I think, eight days in a row. Um, it was a hell of an effort. Uh, and just fantastic to see her at least punching through that third round sort of ceiling that's been kind of holding her back all these years. Yeah, um, Heather's remarkable in that you consider, well, I consider, you know, uh, we, we, she's finished in terms of top top level. She's, you know, 
uh, results for much of the year tend have not been that great. And you think, well, you know, is she at the end of her career? And then every time we think that, she bounces back with a really impressive result. Will it be on the ITF tour or sometimes on the WTA tour? You know, she comes back, wins a tournament or goes through a lot of rounds, gets some significant victories. And just when you think, well, she's cracked it again and she's going to plough on to be a rude challenger. She, it's a bad run of form. She's very inconsistent, and um, but she has been fantastic for Guernsey Sport. When you think, you know, ten years at the top of her game, and previously to that, she won the US Junior Open, always with a smile on her face. Generally, great advocate for Guernsey, and um, you know, she has to be very, very proud of what she's achieved, regardless whether she gets in the first round, second round, third round, fourth round. Um, you know, she has been a star performer for a long time. It's good to see a smile on her face. Absolutely, yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, she seems to be as motivated as ever. And certainly, you know, that kind of run, I'm sure, will get, uh, you know, sort of the fire burning again um, inside her. Because, yeah, you know, she looks in good shape. She seems to be pretty comfortable, pretty happy on the court. I mean, she she got as kind of draw as she's probably had in 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 her career and uh Wimbledon hasn't she because she always seems to be pitted against some either titan of the game or someone in like ridiculous form um but yeah she yeah she got a kind draw and she certainly made the most of it um yeah so we'll we'll definitely watch the rest of her year with interest just a shame that she doesn't get any ranking points for, for that fourth round because that would have done Indeed. her a lot of good um but yeah plenty to work on this year um Right, I mentioned Martin Yabsley because, um, yeah, while those guys were doing their thing at Wimbledon and the, the Euros over in Slovakia, Martin Yabsley's been down in Spain, in Malaga, um, pulling on a GB vest um, for the first time. He represented GB in the over 40s European Championships. I think they call it Maxi Basketball. Um, looked like a fantastic tournament down there. We've been following his progress with interest, lots of support uh, from back here in Guernsey um, for Martin Yabsley. He's obviously given so much to Guernsey basketball over the years, an absolute stalwart of the game and, and still going strong. Uh, now he's in that, uh, firmly in that veterans category. Um, as he told me, they didn't expect too much. The GB squad, they're up against some really stiff opposition players who are still playing professionally um, across Europe, but they got all the way to the final, eventually just outgunned um, by a strong Italy side uh, in that final. But it meant that Martin and his GB teammates came home with a silver medal. And I went and caught up with him when he got back um, to find out just how much it meant to him and, and what the tournament has been like. So I've just been away representing Great Britain uh, in the Masters class over 40s uh, and playing against some of the best players in Europe and the world. Um, a phenomenal experience, you know, um, uh, something I had to do for myself, something I had to do for maybe to prove a point uh, and, and it's done. And I've come away with a silver medal and, you know, I couldn't be happier. Yeah, incredible. And I know lots of people were following your progress from here. You kept us all updated um, throughout the week. Just talk us through the sort of, well, the team's journey in the tournament, your own personal journey and, and how it feels to have come away with a silver medal in the okay, end. Okay, well, the personal journey was, was essentially uh, I went away for a 100-man tryout in November. After COVID, I needed something just to put my, just get a little bit of fire in the belly again. So, so I went away, I put myself up, wasn't expecting to get in, but I went away for the weekend, met some people I hadn't seen for 20 odd years and, and it was great, you know, and came back to Guernsey and didn't think much of it. Christmas happened and then I got an injury early into January while I was playing basketball in Guernsey and I was just kind of, you know, that's it. Uh, you know, I'll just draw the line. Two weeks later, I got a phone call from the Great Britain coach saying I'd made the squad. And it was like, okay, cool. All right, so now I'm going to have to get myself into some proper shape. 
So no, no, and that was it. Basically, that's my personal journey. Um, I approached it with a lot of trepidation. I had a lot of inferior fears that I wouldn't be up to the level because I haven't played that level for 13, 14 years. Um, but, you know, like I said, I got myself ready uh, and I went and did it. Uh, in terms of the team, it was a team that was kind of thrown about ex-professionals, current professionals, but everyone was 39 years or older. Um, and there were some great players, you know, and there was great players all the way. We played teams from Jordan, we played the Slovak nation, we played Switzerland, we played uh, Germany in the semi-finals, and we played Italy in the final. So a great pool of talent, and as well, playing people from around the world, you know, different, different kind of ways of playing, different ways of, of doing, of conducting themselves. It was just great, you know, again, after, I keep mentioning COVID, but straight after that being so isolated, to go out and just to play with that pool of people, yeah. not even the talent levels, just the different cultures and stuff was, was fantastic. And that's what, what it was about. And I think that's mainly what it is about at this level. Don't get me wrong, everyone can play there, but everyone is past their best, you know? <laughs> so, um, so everyone takes the, the whole tournament with a great, there's a great camaraderie between other teams, but mainly with the team, you know, we're called the Wolf Pack. You know, just not, not only because of the grey hair, but we stuck together. Um, and ultimately, that's what we had to do. Um, the final, not to go into it too much, semi-finals, we lost our best player of the tournament. So the finals, we had to really come in. We were playing Italy, the world champions. We'd lost our best player. So we had to come together. And that was, you know, if, if we're talking about the team, that's really what the team was about. It was a team that was thrown together in about six months that had a great, great structure and a really good professional camaraderie. It was great. Yeah, amazing. And it sounds like it was huge for you personally, a, a huge experience. I mean, you mentioned the sort of inferiority complex going into it. When, when you got there, though, having got yourself fit, did you feel like you belonged yeah, amongst yeah, those players again? 100%, 100%. Like, it, it took a couple of games. Um, and I've always struggled with that throughout my career. You know, it's no secret that I've, I get myself pretty worked up before games. And I think it's a good balance. I think you need those nerves. I think it shows a bit of passion. It shows that you care. But especially in the last few years, I've really struggled to manage that. And I've had some, I've had some work, um, Adam Farish worked with me a little bit, my, my Guernsey head coach, about how to control my mindset and how to deal with those emotions. And I think, you know, as I played, I found myself in the team. You know, I found my little position. You come from being, you know, a very dominant player in Guernsey to going into a team where you're a role player. It's it's a hard juxtaposition to be able to perform. But once the third or third, I'd say third, certainly the fourth game was in, I definitely bedded myself into the team and I found my role and definitely had a more kind of productive role through the semis and then certainly into the final. So as as the week, I got better throughout the week. So so certainly, yeah, the the nerves were crushed after game one and two, and it was it was just about getting the job done and just having trying to enjoy the experience, whether it was my last six games or not, I don't know, but just trying to enjoy the experience and and every moment that I was on the court, trying to enjoy it, you know, and, and enjoy it for what it was. I've had a very long career, you know, I've been playing basketball for thirty years, and um, it was yeah, it was it was just a great way to go in. And, and really get myself ready for, for whatever's going to come next. Who knows? Yeah, how much thinking have you done about that? It sounded like you had a bit of an arduous trip back yeah, and yeah. lots of time to think about <laughs> things. But, um, you know, have you thought about kind of what basketball is going to look like for you now going forward if there's yeah, any more basketball I, at all? I mean, again, I've got, I've got a couple of months just to put my feet up and have a good think about it. You know, um, I love basketball, but at the same time, I, I hate it, you know? <laughs> 
it's uh, it's always been to the detriment of my my family and my friends and my social life and stuff and it's it's maybe I'm I'm quite an uptight wound up guy so maybe it's time for me just to relax a little bit and and whether whether that comes with me moving into coaching or whether it remains me still playing and and playing a different role uh, and kind of adjusting I don't know yet so I, I'm gonna get I'm gonna have a good think over the summer. I've already talked to a lot of my peers over here that I respect. I've asked their opinion on what I should do going forward because I'm very much ruled by emotion. And hence, I'm still playing after 13 years after I've said I'm not going to play. So well, I think it's, it's a time now to reflect on what I've done good and just to maybe relax. You know, I said in that post, that, that last post, it's time for me to put my feet up because I haven't, I haven't put my feet up in many, many years. So just maybe just relax and, and just enjoy having a few beers with the lads and not having to worry about training. I think that's, that's, that's gonna be my priority. And then when the season whips up again, I'll then start to think what, what I can do for basketball, you know? Um, it's not so much what it can do for me anymore, you know? Well, you definitely earned a break. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, you, know, you mentioned before, obviously, the fact that, you know, you used to be involved in that pro environment, um, we say 13, 14, 15 years ago. Was this a bit of a taste of, of that? I mean, did it give oh, you kind of, did it, was it, was it echoes of, of, did you feel like your former self? Well, I, well, I don't know, I, <laughs> mentally, you know, mentally I felt like, but the body was still creaking. Uh, no, it was great. It was great to have a team manager. It was great to not to be having to get yourself to games. You literally get ushered from A to B and all you've got to do is play. Um, and I think what comes with that is a bit of, um, conceptual time you know especially for me to be able to think and about to to think it gave me a great opportunity to think about what I was there to do and and also what I was going to do you know after and and a way for me to relax you know I think so yeah so it was great and it was great to have the physios there we had great treatments um like I said kit managers team managers professional athletes don't have to do a lot so it's great just to get them back to that now it was it was really really good yeah yeah brilliant and you know for you obviously you've had a, a lot of highs in your career you've had you know, some great experience i'm sure with the guernsey guys island games etc but where does this silver medal kind of rank you know if you do take a bit of time to think back over over your career i mean will this be quite near to the top it is the absolute pinnacle you know i've got i've literally got goosebumps just thinking about it now you know, um, we were punching above our weight in the whole tournament. And I've, I've always been on Guernsey sides that have always done that in tournaments. We've always punched above our weight. We didn't really have much hope to get out of the group just because of the level of teams that were there. Um, and then we got through to, we won the group. We beat the Spanish in Spain. Um, and then we got through to the Germans um, who are, they, they lost to Italy in the world championship last year. So they were a very good outfit. And, and, and yeah, so so for me, and where I was 16 weeks ago, none of this existed for me, Tony. So and that's a relatively short bit of time and I'm forever within my job, I'm forever giving people goals and sets yeah. and stuff like that. And it was like, right, you got yourself a goal now, Mark. Let's go and get it. And, and for that, I'm, I'm super proud of myself. I have, um, I've just been driving around smiling for the last few days, you know? Yeah, Absolutely, you know, I'm, and, and, and People that know me know that I'm not a very, um, I don't give myself a lot of credit. I'm very hard on myself, but this time I'll give myself a massive pat on the back. This is the greatest achievement I've ever had in sport. Um, and I don't think I will get another one like it, you know? So I've just got to ride the wave, man. Ride <laughs> the wave. It's incredible as well that it's come, you know, so late. Yeah, you know, After all these years of, of slogging away, training and which everything. Is, which is why I'm so grateful for the, for the Masters basketball. Um, 
and it's 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 not as 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 pedestrian as it sounds you know there are some right right top players in there there's still a lot of players that were playing that that play the top leagues in Europe the ACBs the Serie A's which is um which is why I'm even more delighted and impressed myself that I've been able to go there and compete and not even compete but be one of the most dominant players in the tournament uh, and you know I you know I'm completely one I'm grateful for keeping myself in great physical shape all these years because there's not a lot of 610 guys at 40 that can run up and down you know like me <laughs> So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I've kept myself in this good shape and it's allowed me to, to have this opportunity. You know, it's like you say, so late on in my career. Um, and and so I'm so grateful for the, for the Masters basketball as well, who, who put on these European championships for ex-professionals who still, still got a little point to prove. One and done, is it? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. For, certainly for the great bread. Yeah. Um, they've already spoken to me about going to the Worlds in Argentina next year. Uh, and again, I'll see you after these two months, you know. Um, any, again, anyone that knows me knows that I've said I'm going to retire for the last, I've probably told you for the last <laughs> yeah. four or five Ireland games that that's me done. Um, but there's still something that keeps calling me back. But I think certainly at this level of competition, I think that might be me done. I, I, I will see, Tony, you know. I want to explore other things. I want to get in a rowing boat. You know, I want to play a bit of water polo. I want to do things that, you know, I want to play some golf. <laughs> do things that I've never ski. You know, I've, I do things that I've never been able to do because everything's always been aligned into basketball, you know. So who knows? But in, no, in, in terms of, you know, just to answer your question again, in terms of where this ranks, it's, it's the pinnacle. You know, I've won championships in Spain, in England, and, you know, honestly, I've won loads of MVPs in Guernsey and we've beaten Jersey many times and that's all good, that's all good. But getting to where I got to at this at this point, like you say, at this point of my age, this point of me being out of the game for 14 years to get back into it and to be so successful and be a dominant force, I'm super, super, super happy. Martin Yabsley speaking to me uh, at his gym there back in the island after picking up silver with GB in the over 40 European Championships. Huge congratulations to him. Rightly very proud of what he's achieved and yeah, getting in shape in, in 16 weeks for that tournament. A fantastic effort and it really paid off for him. Hopefully we haven't seen the last of him in a Guernsey top either. Obviously uh, an island games to come next year. Uh, we wait with interest to see um, what his next move is uh, on and off the court. Um, right, let's look ahead to what's coming up this weekend then. Uh, and it is, Jamie, a particularly big one for our rowers. Looking back uh, a year ago, the Sark to Jersey, which is the highlight of the, the Channel Island rowing calendar. Um, it was the, well, pretty much the first in-person interinsular uh, that happened after the pandemic. And just looking back to last year, Jamie, it was a really big occasion, wasn't it? Just to, to see Guernsey and Jersey athletes going head-to-head -head in sport again. Yeah, so um, I've always claimed it's the first it live in person into insular since the start of covid and no one's picked me up on it <laughs> so i'm fairly confident it is um but yeah obviously to have that back was amazing it was still a bit watered down in that it was there were landing restrictions and as a result we only actually had seven guernsey crews enter nevertheless when it came to the like combined class lepedvin trophy we dominated jersey even though we've got a smaller turnout of nine crews this year Hopefully we'll be able to back that up. Yep, those landing restrictions have gone, so I'm sure there'll be a decent party on Saturday night for the for the crews that stay on. Um, yeah, the start to Jersey back in 
more or less completely normal conditions. Uh, should be a, a cracker, as you say, nine Guernsey crews involved this year. So still a bit of a COVID hangover by the sounds of it in terms of uh, participation. Um, but lots of interest as far as the Guernsey crews are concerned. And uh, me and Jamie caught up with Guernsey's captain, Ben Voden, to find out what he thinks ahead of Saturday and uh, who we should be looking out for uh, as far as the Guernsey crews are concerned. Guernsey's performance last year I mean yeah what do you have to say about that because obviously we were down quite a lot on numbers but we still came out with the Pedvin trophy yeah um we had some pretty remarkable results last year I think all throughout the field um and I think it it's testament to the quality of rowing that, that we've got in Guernsey um the the way that points are scored for the Le Pedvin trophy is it, it, it you only earn points in contested classes so um, having a high volume of uh, of entrants doesn't necessarily benefit you. It's about good competition um, throughout the field. So, um, yeah, um, I think it really shows the strength that we've got in the depth throughout the club um, at the minute. Based off that and based off what we've seen domestically this season, are we hopeful of backing that up? I'd certainly hope so. Um, we've got nine crews that I'm aware of taking part this year, so it's still not... Uh, a massive fleet but I think um, we're seeing kind of the run-on effects from from COVID this season in terms of numbers with people having to go well wanting to go away on um, trips and holidays that they've they've deferred for a few years as well as um, a backlog of weddings I think as well Um, so you know we've we've got a relatively small contingent going again this year but um, some really really strong offerings in there Um, so I mean we'll see but um certainly hopeful and, and fingers crossed that come uh, Saturday evening we have the Lepedvin back in our hands again. Yeah fingers crossed and, and you guys have got you know cracking schedule over the course of the summer a real packed schedule of racing but for those nine crews that'll be out there on Saturday is the Sark to Jersey still the big one the, the highlight of the summer? Yeah I think so um, we've got a few other regattas which people always look forward to so we've got the home regatta coming up in in a couple of weekends time and we're hopeful that we might even see some crews from Jersey popping over to take part in that one um, we've also got um, a SART weekend as well I'd say it's probably within between those three but with the um, SART to Jersey being our inter insular event at the minute it certainly probably is the peak I, I would say for most crews. Oh, I've been speaking to TPA. Obviously, they've put together a really strong-looking men's quad this year to try to contend for the overall victory. Um, so, yeah, obviously, they'll be one to watch. But, I mean, who else do you think will be of particular interest in this year's events? Yeah, as you say, the the TPA crew um, certainly look incredibly strong and, and will be pushing for the overall win as well as the, the men's quad class. I would say... Um, there's probably a few others to call out. I mean, Paul Pierce is entering in the men's singles. He's done exceptionally well in the domestic season this year. He's broken a number of quite long-standing records that you know have been there and set by some pretty strong rows in the past. So I, I would certainly watch him in the men's singles. Um, we've got the Le Mans Saint ladies quad who were um, victorious in their class again last year. So... Um, Fingers crossed for them. And then the Skipton doubles with Mark and Danny. Um, they, they they had a great showing last year and they, they've pushed on again in the domestic season this year. Um, and we, we've got some depth in, in the men's doubles class as well um, with Swaffers and the Le Mans men's double, um, as well as Apple and Kreber. 
all heading over. So I, I think, yeah, hopefully um, we should see some good results come through. I guess, um, particularly in recent times, it's possibly a bit of a mystery. Like, we have not got to compete against G- Jersey very often at all over the last three or so years. So, yeah, do you have much intel on what Jersey's looking like? Unfortunately <laughs> not at the minute. <laughs> but I think that adds to the, to, the, to the drama and a bit of the mystery of it. Um, yeah, I have absolutely no idea. Um, all I can say is that looking at some of the classes that we've got and the crews we've got are going over that we're in pretty good shape from our side of the of the water. Yeah, and you mentioned the COVID hangover in terms of the numbers. Given that you guys are now part of the Yacht Club, um, you know, that's a, a fairly recent move. Does that give you a kind of better grounding sort of overall as a club and, and, and a sort of an opportunity to really grow the sport and kind of grow those numbers back again over the next few years? Yeah, we certainly hope 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 so. Um, having access to the facilities and, and a base to, to work from um, is hopefully going to be a footprint for us to, to grow moving forward. We're running our have a go taster sessions throughout the summer and this year as well as in the winter um which is one of the benefits of having um, a couple of club boats um spare at the minute uh, i think jamie will be able to tell us a bit more about that he came down to to one of our tasters um, <laughs> oh yes a few weeks ago um hopefully we'll see you down soon as well tony yeah i'd like to we've me and jamie have been talking about it but i haven't quite made it happen yet my, i don't know how my short arms will f- uh, fare right out in the water <laughs> I'm not, I, yeah i'm certainly not blessed with um with height so um, <laughs> sure you can. no i've got to make it happen at some point for sure got to make it happen and and for you um ben as captain of the club now um how are you enjoying that role and yeah and kind of how are things sort of progressing under your stewardship if you like yeah really enjoying it I've, i mean i've been around the club as a rower for over 10 years but even longer as um kind of my dad was a guard boater so i've been around the club from, since i can remember so um it's, it's an absolute honor to be uh the captain and and leading the club forward um over the next few years i think i'd like to see those club boats filled with lots of hungry and excited new novices um for the for the coming season um next year um but yeah really looking forward to what the future has in store for for the grc Ben Voden, the captain of Guernsey Rowing Club, speaking to me and Jamie there. Best of luck to all the Guernsey crews out on the water on Saturday. It's going to be a, a really interesting one to follow. And it is a busy weekend across the island. And um, we mentioned at the top, um, Friday marks exactly one year to go until the start of the 2023 NatWest International Island Games, um, which is obviously going to be a colossal week for sport in the island. Um, this weekend, we've got delegates from across the island games world um, in Guernsey, I think more than 50, um, here to tour the venues, find out what's going on. Um, get a handle on the accommodation because I think by all accounts that is the most challenging aspect um, of things as far as the uh, the local organising committee are concerned although I'm sure they'll be keeping uh, a close eye on the travel situation as well because with flights being cancelled left, right and centre across Europe, they'll be hoping that things improve um, for next summer. Um, but yeah, Jamie and I are going to be heading up later um, to Beausajour to find out a bit more about what's going on uh, as far as that visit is concerned. The IIGA, um, the International Island Games Association AGM, taking place at the uh, Coat Hills on Saturday lunchtime. So yeah, look out for full coverage of the uh, 
um, Ireland Games year to go in the paper on Friday across the weekend as well and into next week we'll be um, speaking to some of those delegates that are over um, and Jorgen Pettersen hopefully the uh, the chair of the IAGA always uh, got an inspirational message to Islanders as Jorgen so um, look out for that I think we'll leave it there then um, yeah really busy time uh, for Ireland sport of course we've got Commonwealth Games to come uh, later on this month as well so look out for uh, plenty of coverage on that in the meantime do give us a follow on social media on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at GSY Press Sport and for the very best coverage of local sport make sure you pick up a copy of the Guernsey Press Monday to Saturday uh, thanks very much guys Jamie Rob we'll see you next time cheers, cheers Tony, Tony.